All right, welcome everybody to episode number 24 of the Steel City Insider podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Jim Wexel, and we are very excited this evening as we welcome two-time Super Bowl winning cornerback of your Pittsburgh Steelers, current host of All Things Covered podcast on CBS Sports, a CBS Sports football analyst, the one, the only, Bryant McFadden, BMAC. How are you doing? And Jim, I don't want to forget about you. Jim, how are you doing? Oh, no, man. Hey, I don't, Jeremy, do you remember the 2005 playoffs? I do, very much so. Do you remember the Colts game? I do, okay. very do much so. Do you remember so. the Fettis' fumble? Yes. And then Ben's tackle? Yes. And then Vanderjack kicked a, uh, had a 46-yarder, and he missed it like by 46 yards, right? I do remember that. You know what happened in between the tackle and the missed field goal? You got to refresh my memory, Jim. Brian, do you remember? Uh, no question, Jim. I can't forget. <laughs> I won't forget. <laughs> I won't forget. Yes, I remember. Do you have dreams? Do you wake up in a cold sweat of Peyton Manning eyeballing a rookie Brian McFadden with Hall of Famer Reggie Wayne? You know what, Jim? If I probably didn't come up with those PBUs, yes, I would still be waking up in a cold sweat. But I can sleep a little easier knowing that I did what I was supposed to do. And because of that, you know, I was able to, uh, like you said, Jim, you know, being a, a, a fan of the game and covering the team for such a long time, being able to make sure I put a smile on people's face like yourself and, and Jeremy, some of the other fans who watched me. So I was just happy I was able to do what I was supposed to do. Well, I tell you, BMAC, you're like probably the most under, that was the most underrated thing that happened. You, I mean, I think he came at you three times or something. Uh, no question. He came at me, uh, the, the fumble, the tackle, the first play, you know, first play when they walked on the football field was a pass to Reggie or the second play. And instantly I'm like, oh man, I already know what's going to happen. He's going to come at me. I'm the only rookie on the football field defensively playing against a future Hall of Famer, all pro guy. I was like, Mac, just don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. And we just, like you said, they were one play. They were already in field goal range, basically. But he was trying to score, score seven. You know, yeah. put six on the scoreboard, which clearly would have ended our playoff hopes. Yeah. So, uh, I, 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 not enough is said of that. So, I tip my hat to most underrated aspect of that entire Super Bowl run. And hey, if you don't win that first Super Bowl, maybe you don't have the confidence to win the second one. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and think about this too. For us to get to six Lombardies, to be the first organization to do to get six Lombardies, you got to get the fifth. Yeah. And then if we don't beat the Colts, think about the domino effect. Jerome probably still goes into the hall, but not as a Super Bowl winning running back. Bill Kyle probably still goes into the hall, but not as a Super Bowl winning head coach. You think you think he needed that? I think he needed that. Well, he got it. <laughs> he should be he thanking you, BMAC. I tell you, that Colts game was, was the game. Mm -hmm. That was the game of that whole run. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's enough. Uh, but I just want I just want to make sure people remember that, BMAC, because that was really underrated. Nobody I'll, remembers a cornerback that doesn't get beat or a ta offensive tackle that doesn't give up the sack. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and like I said, I just appreciate you covering me when I was there in Pittsburgh. 
Uh, you've always been a professional on and off the football field. The entire media family there in Pittsburgh, for me personally, were all genuine, outstanding, professional-like individuals. So it's no wonder that you guys have done an outstanding job and a splitting image of the organization, in my opinion. Wow. All right. Well, cool. Okay. Wow. Jeremy, back yeah. to you. Yeah. Hey, I, and, and for, for some perspective, I remember I was in a, uh, living in a townhouse at the time in, in Maryland, uh, Northeast Maryland, and I was uh, in my basement watching that game against the Colts. Uh, I don't remember that play, BMAC, no disrespect, but I do remember the elation of that victory and just that whole run there. So, again, it's, it's an honor to have you here with us, and I'm sure the audience is very excited. So, you know, big uh, important time of the year. We're getting ready for the NFL draft. The combine just wrapped up. We got a lot that we want to talk to you about um, with your expertise. And we really want to start with the secondary. Um, a lot of free agents in the Steelers secondary at this point. Um, you know, with Akella Witherspoon, Joe Hayden, Terrell Edmonds. Uh, what's your assessment of the current secondary, the way it's set up? Um, without any of these players being signed. And when you look at those three guys I just mentioned, yep. who are you resigning? And are there any guys out there outside for agents that you'd like to see this team bring in? I mean, guys, if you don't bring back Hayden Witherspoon Edmonds, you have a lot of holes you need to fill. And the experience that those three guys have clearly has been well documented, not to mention just the depth. Right. It's a long, long season. So you want to make sure you have enough depth because injuries are something that you must expect. Unfortunately, we're playing the game of football uh, to answer your second question. Who do I believe potentially will come back out of those three guys? I think Edmonds is probably that guy that they may try to target as a top priority out of the, out of the three names. And here's why. Number one, he's a first rounder, former first rounder. And like it or not, organizations want to make sure Everyone that's tied to that said team feels like their first round picks are guys that hit, that see another contract. And granted, we've seen some up and down play from Edmonds, but yet and still, the potential is there. Extremely yeah. athletic, a big guy. He can be that hybrid backer, safety type mode that a lot of teams are trending to. And like I said, he was a former first rounder. So I think the market for him might not be as intense as it could be for a guy like Joe Hayden, Right. And Joe Hayden might be a guy who I would love to see back in a Steeler uniform, but I think he may have a very, very attractive market when it comes to the cornerback mm -hmm. value. Witherspoon probably would be cheaper than Joe Hayden. And throughout the year, when Witherspoon got more accustomed to the defensive strategy and scheme, we saw some plays from him, right? And one thing, when you look at money, I think cap-wise, we have roughly around $28 million or so. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a lot of money to play with. So if you're looking at being able to try to get one of these guys back in uniform in Pittsburgh, I think Witherspoon will probably be the realistic name because he could be a little cheaper than Joe Hayden. Okay. Do you think you've seen enough? I know it was a small sample size there with Witherspoon when he started making all those plays. I know Jim and I talked <laughs> about, you know, did he play his way out of Pittsburgh just because he just seemed to be making play after play. Do you think that that performance over those last five or six games is what you could expect from him on a consistent starting basis? Or do you think that is it would it be uneven? You know, I, I, I hope so. 
I, I think the thing about Witherspoon, you look at his professional career, uh, had some early signs early on in San Francisco and then became a bit inconsistent, went on to Seattle and then, of course, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But athletically, he's long. He's a lengthy guy. Uh, he plays the football fairly well and he tackles. He tackles. So, yes, I think the latter part of the season definitely was important for him as an individual because it, it made his market, you know, bigger, a larger market. I think Pittsburgh understands, and think about this, the depth or the lack thereof for Pittsburgh at cornerback, we all know. Yeah. If you lose Hayden, you can't lose Witherspoon. You can't afford to lose both guys. So I think understanding and knowing they have to retain one of these key veterans, I think Witherspoon would be the guy, but they may have to fight off some other suitors. And one thing about Pittsburgh, you know, they try to bargain shop, to say the least. You know what I mean? They try to get a good bargain that's in their favor when it comes to the finances, but they may have to try to you know, fight off some other teams because of how well, as you mentioned, with the school played towards the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, Jim. Well, B-Mac, I just wanted to ask you about Hayden. Now he's 32, I think, maybe 33. And he missed four or five games with a foot issue. You know, cornerbacks, do they break down? I know this is tough, tough stuff for you. And who wants to disrespect Joe Hayden? He's such a class act. But – Tell me, tell me what you really think, B-Mac, about that age in the cornerback position. Well, one thing about Joe, he's been more than a serviceable guy. The one knock on Joe, as you mentioned, Jim, has been the injuries. You know what I mean? And not saying that he's lost a step, but those are things you have to monitor and have been concerned with when they get older. But I still believe, Jim, Joe can go out and get $7 million a year. I think he still go out and get $7 million a year. You can't have enough corners. The thing about Joe, though, when it comes to cornerback play, especially in the AFC North, it's still, it's not as generic as it was when I played, when you know you, you're going to see a lot of ground and pound attack from opposing offenses, but they still run the football fairly more than some of the other divisions in the National Football League. Yeah. You got up and coming quarterback in Joe Burrow, you know about Lamar Jackson, but let's keep it real. Baltimore still runs the football. Cleveland still runs the football. So when it comes to having quantity at the cornerback position, is not as important as it could be, let's say, if you're playing in the NFC South or if you're playing in the AFC West, where you're going to see a lot of gunslinging compared to what you will see. So I think Joe Hayden still can go out and get six or seven million per year. I don't know exactly what he's probably looking to get, look to get, but I think that's a realistic number. Now, if you're Pittsburgh, based on the injury concerns and the age, would you be willing to give him that in Pittsburgh when you probably can get Witherspoon for maybe a mil or two less than that and Witherspoon is younger? So which would you do? You're Pittsburgh. You know how they operate. What's going to happen? <laughs> uh, well, if, if, we're, if you're asking me this question under the assumption of how they operate, they're yeah. going to probably let Joe Hayden test the market to see and go with Witherspoon, who could be a little cheaper and younger. Okay. Now, BMAC, what about uh, some of the, the back end of the roster there uh, in the secondary? James Pierre, uh, Justin Lane, and uh, Trey Norwood. Do you see them maybe elevating, stepping up, providing quality depth, or do you think they need to try to look in the draft for guys who can maybe upgrade you know, those third, fourth cornerback or safety positions? I mean, Pierre seems to be the guy who would be next up as the number two guy. We've seen some signs of good play from Pierre, but he's still young. Lane, I really like Lane coming out of Michigan State, but for some reason, he just hasn't surfaced to be the guy that I thought he could be, especially just being able to kind of learn 
And then, you know, Thornton is just, it's just about not knowing the unknown. And sometimes when it comes to the game of football, the unknown is scary because mm-hmm. either you're going to hit or you won't hit and you can't be waiting around to see if the player will come to light and be the player that you think he can be. So Pierre probably would be the most one to name when you talk about expect, expect, expectations, mm-hmm. uh, but still you got to add depth. You got to add depth. Uh, if you have any aspirations of playing in January football, mid January and playing postseason play, you got to have some guys step up to the plate. And I think you still need to address the cornerback position in the draft. Even if you bring back Hayden or with the spoon. Now the kicker is guys, I don't foresee them taking a cornerback in the first round, unless something happens unexpectedly and Derek Stingley falls in the twenties, right? If that happens, Best player available, that that would be your guy. I don't see Stingley falling that far. And with that being said, I think they will address the cornerback position, but I don't expect to see them use a first-round pick on a cornerback. And that's a perfect segue. So the combine just wrapped up this past Sunday. Uh, records being set in terms of guys running under four fours at the skill positions. So in sticking with the secondary before we shift in and talk about uh, just the, the team in general with the draft, are there any cornerbacks or safeties that the team could target maybe second, second round, third round, or even later in the draft, sixth or seventh round? Well, it depends on what happens in the first round. Will we see a run on cornerbacks? I mean, we look at the top two guys, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, um, Stingley Jr. from LSU. I, I, if Stingley was healthy, he would be my number one, but because of the injuries, didn't really play a lot the last two seasons outside of his outstanding freshman campaign. You have Sauce Gardner, right? And then outside of that, you look at Trent McDuffie from Washington. Kyra Elam, who I love, reminds me a lot of former Baltimore Raven cornerback Chris McAllister. Big body guy, extremely nimble, athletic. I think he's going to have a heck of a professional career. All of those guys, I believe, should go in the first round. But if there's not an extensive run on cornerbacks in the first round, you could see a guy like Roger McCary could potentially be there in the second round from Auburn, who had a heck of a career uh, at Auburn, a lockdown corner, seeing some top flight wide receiver play in the SEC. When you look at the guys that LSU had in, 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 in the past few years and the same guys that Alabama had as well, he stood the test against some of the best college quarter wide receivers in college football. But my thing is this, guys, if you take a chance on a guy like Roger, and he's available in the second round, you're going to have to trade up. You're going to have to trade up. You know what I mean? So I visualize guys like McCrary, um, Andre Booth from Clemson, um, Kendrick from Georgia. Uh, I talked about Elam. I talked about Stingley. Um, all of those guys are starters. They will start at some point in time. If any one of those names surface to be early in the second round, for Pittsburgh to be I think picking mid second round, if I'm not mistaken, I know the exact number. I think they're they would have 52. to trade up. Yeah. Yeah. So if they if they don't take a cornerback, uh, I know the the big talk this offseason with with Ben finally retiring after 18 years. Uh, there's a big void left in Pittsburgh uh, when you have a franchise quarterback that long. Quarterback has been purported to be maybe what they're going to target at the 20th pick, but then you also hear. Um, you know, some uh, some guards, interior offensive line uh, possibly being targeted. Uh, there are a lot of needs on this team. Um, and, and your point about the secondary earlier that they have to resign these guys because there are so many spots. Uh, when you look at the, the draft this year, uh, not having a fifth round pick 
Um, what do you see as the strategy for the team? How do you think they approach the first round or just the, the attack in general? I think first round wise for Pittsburgh, it all depends on what happens at the quarterback position. Do, do they go out and acquire a vet? If they acquire a vet, I don't foresee them taking a first round quarterback, which makes sense. If you don't go out and acquire a vet, that means the likelihood of us seeing the Steelers take a quarterback is likely, very, very likely. What I would do, I would acquire a vet, Jim. Jeremy, I, let's, let's keep it real. If you don't have a quarterback, you won't win ball games. Yeah. If you don't have a quarterback, the field is 150 yards long. It's not 100. It will feel like it's 150. <laughs> and the thing about Pittsburgh, we've had the luxury of having a franchise quarterback since 2004. And with that said, franchise quarterbacks, we won multiple championships. Think about the teams that have been trying to claw their way to be relevant. They had no quarterback. And I'm not saying that Mason Rudolph can't be that guy. But what I am saying is, based on the small sample size that we've seen from Rudolph or Haskins, I'm not as optimistic. They could be that guy for us. And in the division, when you got Joe Cool Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and if Baker hits the light switch and realize the talent that he has, in the pecking order, we will be dead last. Yeah. With any one of those guys that I mentioned, if they were to start for us this upcoming season. So me personally, I would acquire a veteran quarterback that we have seen show up and show out consistently. And now we have a fighting chance. And if you do that, guys, then Pittsburgh, if you look at the history of Pittsburgh when it comes to drafting guys in the first round, one thing we know Pittsburgh don't mind drafting. Players we know they don't mind drafting in the first round. Interior offensive linemen, <laughs> linebackers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Specifically speaking, centers or guards. They don't mind drafting interior guys in the first round. I'll throw out a name to you. Kenyon Green from AM. You know. My my good, my good friend. Feel like he coached me. He didn't coach me. Jimbo Fisher runs a pro-style offense there in College Station. The thing about Green that I love, he's played everything on the offensive line, and he did so exceptionally well in the SEC. So the versatility is there. You draft Green, you're basically drafting two guys in one because he can play so many different things on the offensive line. Outside of Kenyon Green, when you look at uh, uh, Zion Johnson, the guard from Boston College, he is a massive individual that can roadblock and move people out in front of him. He fits that AFC North mentality, especially when it gets cold in Pittsburgh, December, January football. He's a guy that doesn't mind getting dirty and doing it within the rules. And outside of uh, uh, Johnson, uh, uh, Lind Linderbaum, uh, yeah. I hope I said his last name right, from uh, Iowa, the, the center, Tyler, Linderbaum, center, pro-like center, prolific. And we've heard rumors about maybe Ryan Jensen coming from Tampa, who I love. I love how nasty he is. He plays the game the right way. So that tells me Pittsburgh definitely they're trying to target a center because we're hearing Ryan Jensen's name tied to the Steelers. So if you don't go out and sign a guy like Ryan, maybe Tyler could be available. And outside of Tyler, and those are three interior offensive linemen, by the way, I think could definitely be a target for the Pittsburgh Steelers if they acquire a vet at the quarterback position. But one guy I love is Devin Lloyd. The linebacker from Utah, he plays the game like a stealer. He flows to the football. He's sideline to sideline. He has no care about his body. And that's what we 
have grown accustomed <laughs> to seeing from the inside linebacker position. Guys who don't care anything about their well-being, their job is to inflict pain within the rules to whoever it is carrying the football. Lloyd plays the same way. And Nicobe Dean from the champions, uh, uh, national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. Very, very smart, instinctive. And he flies around similar to Lloyd as well. So those are the guys I think, guys, if they're there, depending on what happens with the first question mark, the quarterback position, all notable players the Steelers could take. And like I said, history tells all of us the Steelers don't mind drafting interior offensive alignment in the first round and linebackers. Yeah. So, go ahead, Jim. Yeah. Uh, B-Mac, back to the quarterback spot. <clears throat> I mean, this is the hot topic in town. Deshaun Watson. Now, I, I'm going to give you – I'm going to preface this, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but people say, well, you know, the sexual uh, – uh, harassment or whatever it is. I don't know if he's he's been charged. He's going to be in court tomorrow, Friday. The Steelers have been through this with Ben Roethlisberger and thus have set a precedent and people say that it shouldn't be a problem if he goes through this and isn't indicted. I say Ben was a family member and they, like uh, the, the son that went wrong, they brought him back in the family. I, I don't believe that they bring in outsiders with trouble into their family. Now, all of that said, uh, BMAC, what's your take? Uh, I agree with you, Jim. I, I think the homegrown player means something. Ben was a guy who was drafted by the organization um, in the first round. Not the same could be said for, for Deshaun Watson. He wasn't drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the entitlement when it comes to being drafted by that said organization and they giving you a second opportunity might not be the same. But when it comes to the letter of the law, with these allegations that he is tied to, and let's say hypothetically speaking, everything comes out to be in his favor, right? And we're not the ones to judge if, or say if he's guilty or innocent. That's not what we're supposed to do. My job is to talk football. So from the football standpoint, it makes sense. It makes sense. Only if in the letter of the law, he's clear. He's clear. Because I can say this much, Jim, if he's not clear, he's not, cl he's not playing for nobody. Okay. At all. Well, let, let me ask you this. There, I, I read a report that he's going to plead the fifth. A, a, in a, in a, a criminal trial, you're supposed to not judge that. But in a civil suit, which I guess he's getting sued. I, I actually should read more about this. Mm -hmm. That he, they, the, the jurists can judge him guilty for pleading the fifth and he will get sued, but he won't go to jail. So if he pleads the fifth, does that clear up what you're talking about? Uh, not 100%, right? Not 100%. I think that will always be a lot of people that will feel like he did something wrong, even if he didn't plead the fifth, Jim, right? One thing about opinions, right. we all have them and we all will give our opinions regardless if they're warranted or not. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, he doesn't plead the fifth and he talks. He, 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 he says his piece and they say, okay, you're okay, you're cool, you're clear. People will think the other way. You know what I mean? So I think for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have to understand what I, what's more important, right? If he's able to play 
He's not being published, uh, uh, punished, I'm sorry, legally. And he's not being punished by the NFL. But you know there are going to be so many people saying he did something wrong or he was in wrong in the wrong doing of all of these allegations that's going to follow him. So for Pittsburgh, can you still be looked at as a sound organization with the quarterback of your organization being a guy who was tied to so many different wrong allegations? And for Pittsburgh too, when you go get a guy like Deshaun Watson, now the dynamics of your team changes dramatically. He's good. Yes. He, he, this isn't exactly. Carson Wentz. No, no, no. He's not Carson Wentz. Yo, Jim, yo, Jeremy, check this out. So I had a discussion during Super Bowl week with my colleagues uh, with CBS out in L.A. And I said this. I said, we haven't seen Deshaun play in over a year. But in totality in his career, while in Houston, especially the last two, three years, even without DeAndre Hopkins, I would take Deshaun Watson. If I didn't know anything about what the rest of my team looked like, I would take Deshaun Watson over Pat Mahomes. Mm. Wow. And, and hear me out. The reason why I said that is I know what Deshaun can give me with nobody surrounding him. I know what Deshaun can give me if everything was put on his plate for him to deliver. I mean, we never really had to see Pat Mahomes go to work and be prolific and not saying that he can't. But just imagine Pat Mahomes without Tyreek Hill. Just imagine Pat Mahomes without Travis Kelsey. Just imagine Pat Mahomes without Andy Reid. For God's sake, Deshaun had <laughs> Bill O'Brien. Right? And just the way how Bill O'Brien just turned that organization around in the wrong direction tells you the leadership of the lack thereof that Deshaun had. Deshaun had DeAndre Hopkins did outstanding things with him. They shipped him on. He didn't miss a beat. And if you go back and look at what Deshaun did at Clemson, remember that team he took on toe-to-toe, that Alabama, two times, beat him once, lost him once, was filled with nothing but pro-like players, and he just stood up and balled out. He has the it factor. Just imagine Deshaun Watson with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. So that's why I said what I said. There are a lot of players who are great, but the situation helps their greatness. Then there are some players who can be the Allen Iverson. Do it with nobody around them. And Deshaun Watson is that guy. So if you put Deshaun Watson in Pittsburgh with an emerging running back and Najee Harris, you got an emerging tight end and Pat Farmu. You talk about Deontay, you talk about Chase Claypool, add a few pieces. And one thing about good quarterback play, guys, the quarterback play makes the offensive line play better. Everything improves when you got a guy at the quarterback position. Yeah. And if you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, or you go from hoping the Steelers can be competitive to, oh, this is a playoff team. I don't care anything about what Cincinnati got going on. I don't care anything about what Baltimore got going on. If you get that Deshaun Watson that we saw before this hiatus for a year, you got more than a fighting chance. But only if things are starting to clear up legally. I would be in agreement with that. Only if things start to clear up with legal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the Sean King is supposed to be a respected voice. He's not one of those guys saying this stuff. You know, he's reporting that the Steelers and Watson are talking and they're both interested and it's going to happen if everything clears up legally. And people are saying, oh, you know, this is another clickbait specialist. 
I hear Sean King is not. He he he's a, he's a good dude, and he's standing by his report. And Jerry Dulac has reported from team sources that it's not going to happen, no chance. Which is how I would see it. I mean, I, I just know the Steelers. They're not going to get a reputation for harboring this kind of activity. They they put they put up with it with one of their own children, so to speak. Yep. And he was a black sheep, and they they feel like they've turned. Ben turned everything around and uh, that they were justified, but I don't think they want to make it a habit, but the way you're talking, man, <laughs> really so tempting. Yeah. The, the, the thing about, just, just, just think about it. Like it is it, the production should never outweigh the wrongdoing in my opinion. But one thing about the NFL we've seen for certain guys, those things don't get overlooked, but they kind of get moved around a little bit. Now, the Steelers, like you said, Jim, they're not they haven't been known to be that type of organization. But legally, things can kind of work in his favor. And if not to mention, if you can get Deshaun at a, for a good price, because Tex, the Texans won't get what Seattle got for Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. Regardless, right. that's not happening. So if you Pittsburgh, let's say you can give up only two first rounders for Deshaun. Only if I repeat for everyone that's watching us, only if things are kind of cleared up legally. Yeah, I would don't know. I mean, this man Deshaun is not even thirty yet, right? What is he? He's 20, like twenty five. I don't know if he's that young. Is he? he at least twenty seven. Check it out real fast. Let me see. I think he may be twenty seven, but clearly he's not north of thirty. I know Russ Wilson, Wilson north of thirty. Russ is thirty three. Yeah, he's twenty six years old. He'll be twenty seven in September. Wow. So he's got plenty of football ahead of him. I tell you what, I'll tell you what, too, uh, Jeremy and BMAC. Tomlin is the kind of guy that's strong enough to stand up mm -hmm. to anybody that wants to start banging questions about uh, the allegations. What, what does this mean for the organization? What kind of lack of character are you guys showing doing this? He'll, he's strong enough to handle all that mm -hmm. for the player and to foster a good environment. Yeah. But still, I, I don't know if they would have done this with Dan Rooney. Now, Art, too, has not won his own ring. He's not won his own Lombardi yet. So he may have a little more desperation than maybe Papa Dan or, or the Chief, who, in my opinion, Dan would have never never even considered it. I don't Yo, know, man. Key point, know. Those are key points, Jim. The, the personality, the character of Mike Tomlin, the respect of Mike Tomlin. It's similar to the respect that Bill Belichick gets and deserving of. They make a move, it might not be looked at as big as another coach. The same can be said for Mr. Rooney and the organization. They're strong enough to sit here and say, this man is entitled to another chance and he's willing to put his hand in the pile and help us get to a sticky Lombardi. And some organizations don't have the structure or the foundation to be able to fight off the heat that might come with a player that has a questionable past. So I agree with you. I, I think it's all about what happens at this hearing. If things kind of work in his favor, someone's going to take a chance on him. If it don't, no one will. But organizations have enough resources, resources to do their due diligence to understand what happened today during the hearing. This man will be able to play. We need a quarterback. 
Let's go get him. And he's only 26. Will be 27? Yeah. In September? The type of player that he is? I told you, like, when he was playing, I'd take him over Pat Mahomes. Deshaun was one of my quarterbacks that I saw, like, man, he can be considered the best. He just didn't have the structure. Think about this. What type of structure he had in Houston? It's a good point. It's a good point. Well, Bill O'Brien, I mean, you said it all before. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's almost one of the worst coaches I've ever watched. <laughs> yeah. Except, well, that, that Chicago coach this year was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Matt Nagy, yeah. So kind of hanging on the, that quarterback topic uh, real fast, BMAC, and looking at the, the draft coming up this year, you got your top five there, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, uh, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Sam Howell. Out of those five, do you see – any of those guys is being good fits for the the Steelers. You see them being there, available at twenty, um, especially with these um, the trade of, of Wilson, the re-signing of uh, Rogers, Wentz being moved. That's kind of shaking up the draft board a little bit. But I guess what's your perspective on I guess the top five QBs? I, I think Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis probably will be gone by the time the Steelers uh, select. I think one of those guys will probably be gone. Deserving so, I'm a fan of both players. Um, Malik Willis played outstanding football at Liberty. Uh, so far throughout this, this this draft process, he's really opened a lot of eyes, had an outstanding week at the Combine. And if you look at Kenny Pickett, I mean, you talk about a guy who's seen a lot of football in college, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, it feels like Kenny Pickett been playing college football since 2016. Uh, and, and he's improved. He's gotten better. I mean, had one of the best uh, uh, seasons out of, uh, you know, you look at some of the quarterbacks that have played in the ACC. I mean, his numbers are right up there with some of the best. Um, but I think both one of these guys probably won't be available. And if you Pittsburgh, going back to what my initial statement, if they don't make a move and acquire a vet, they probably got to trap one of these guys. Right. It, it, it makes sense. Matt Corral. My concern with Matt Corral is the above the shoulder game. Right. How football, how, how, how smart is he when it comes to football? Because my concern with a lot of these college quarterbacks, when they're in these systems, when they're basically being told what to do, where to go with the football, it's hard to get that out of your system when you've been doing it for three, four years. When you look at these quarterbacks play college football, right? How often do you see quarterbacks look to the sideline to get the signal from the coaches on the sideline who got it from the coaches up top into where to go with the football? Like you don't see that on Sunday. So not saying they can't make the adjustment to be able to be more independent as a quarterback, but it takes time. So those are quarter, guys like that. I'd be, I'm a little mindful of and concerned with because how fast can they pick up the pro style system and be able to be more independent when they're going through their progressions. But he's a, he's a warrior. He fight, he fights hard. Uh, you know, and he, he leaves it all on the line. Sam Howell, didn't have his best year. I mean, his first two years blew away his last year at North Carolina. For whatever reason, maybe because they lost so many guys to the NFL the year before at that team, two running backs, receivers, but he didn't play as well as I thought he would have played. And because of that, I think he could be maybe best case scenario, late first rounder, if that. But I don't think we will see three first rounders, first round quarterbacks, guys. I think best case scenario, maybe two. And then uh, Desmond Ritter has been a guy that Jim and I have talked about quite a bit. Um, I know, and, 
and this might be heresy to say it. And <laughs> Jim say, or no. Desmond Ritter, please. Yeah, uh, when I watched him in the Senior Bowl, and I watched a, a fair amount of his tape on all these guys, he reminded me a bit of Steve McNair. I don't know if if you've seen any. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know that's. And again, I'm not well, saying he's me... going to have that type of career. He just looked smooth, and it, it, the the his play action thrown on the run. Um, I don't know if you had any chance to dig into his tape and if yeah. you have any thoughts on him. Seen a lot of football. Seen a lot of football. The thing that I have with Desmond is we look at the level of competition clearly wasn't as, as stout as some of the other guys I mentioned, but also, too, his teams were always more talented than the majority of the guys he was playing against. Mm-hmm. So he never was in a situation, and I'm saying for the most part. They've always played against Power 5 uh, teams here or there, but when it comes to the majority, their team was always better than the opposing teams they were playing against because they had quite a few pros on their team. So it wasn't like he always needed to deliver. He could easily hand it off to Ford, who, who was a running back that will get drafted at some point in this draft, maybe a third, fourth round guy, but Ford can actually go. Look at his wide receivers, uh, tight end, offensive line structure was there. I think, I think he is definitely, in my opinion, uh, I see him being a, a vital third round like guy. Third round. And if you're the Steelers, if you can go get Desmond in the third round, if he is there, oh, that's a win. Yeah. But it all depends on what you do before the draft takes place. Yeah. When it comes to the quarterback position for Pittsburgh. Right. And excitingly enough, free agency is going to start next week. Uh, exciting time in football. And we want to be respectful of your time here. So um, j- we're going to close it up with, with this question. Jim, if you have anything you want to throw in there, please do. But okay. how far how far away is this team from competing? Not far. The one thing that is standing in the way of this organization when it comes to competing, and I think you mean playoffs, deep playoff-like run, is the quarterback position. That's it. That's it. That is what is standing in the way when it comes to how deep can this team go? You look at teams that have made deep runs in the playoffs, they got quarterbacks that can play ball, yeah. right? When you look at teams that compete for championships, they have quarterbacks that can play ball. Matthew Stafford, always been a talented quarterback, but his growth was stunted to say the least when he was in Detroit because of everything that was surrounding him, the lack, lack of structure. Then got part of, became part of a structure organization, won a championship. Joe Burrow was that guy at LSU. Just a matter of time for Joe. So for Pittsburgh, what, how good can they be? It depends on who is the quarterback. That's why this is so important for Pittsburgh. Because in 2004, they made an executive decision in drafting Ben, and it paid off. From 2004 until 2021, they had their guy. And people can be critical of the last few years for Big Ben. Let's keep it real. Big Ben gave us more glorious years than bad years. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. So now it's about trying to repeat what you did in 2004 to some degree via draft or acquiring. Yeah. But that is the one thing for Pittsburgh that's standing in the way. And for me, only time will tell. because. Either two things are going to happen, guys. Either they go out and acquire a vet, and I'm not saying it has to be Deshaun Watson, or let's say a Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, or whoever it could be, right? Some of the other notable names that are still available. Based on what we know, we will feel more optimistic if they go out and get one of those guys than going to battle with Rudolph 
or Haskins. And like I said, no knock on either guy. We just haven't seen anything that would make us stand up and say, like, we ready. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> so that is the one thing for Pittsburgh. We got defense. We will get better on both sides of the football. We got receivers. We will get better. Got a running back. Offensive line will get better as well. One concern is what? Quarterback. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, uh, B-Mac, if I was writing a column, this would be a perfect ending and I would stop. But I'm not writing a column. I have a question for you about (laughs) one of the most interesting guys in the draft. And I just want to get your opinion. Jordan Davis. You know, the Steelers couldn't stop the run last year. Is Tuit coming back? Who knows? He says he is. That gives me hope. Alu Alu coming back. Okay. Don't really need a defensive tackle. Uh, Jordan Davis, I thought, didn't, wasn't that interesting to me because I think he might have to come off the field on third down. Now, then he runs, what, about a 4-3-40 at 370 pounds? <laughs> Basically. Now I'm like thinking, yeah. and, and, and I hear that the Ravens and Browns want him. And you're like, oh, geez. Now, yes, now I want him. You know, <laughs> Now, I, I don't know whether he's just a track uh, marvel or if this guy can really play and if he – okay, okay. Well, I Jim, think that answers my question. Yeah, Jim. Jim, what he did at the combine just confirmed everything he's done on the field. I never see a guy that big and can move that fast. He's a massive man. The thing about Jordan Davis, yes, he's the first rounder, but the thing you also hit on, if Tuit comes back and is healthy, along with Cam, along with, uh, I keep messing up his name, Lawilla, how you say it again? Alulu. Alulu, right? (laughs) Just those guys alone. We're improved dramatically. People forget that Alu basically didn't play the entire season almost. And Tua didn't play at all, right? Right. Yeah. Didn't play one snap. Mm-mm. So we had two marquee guys didn't play and had guys who are not clearly the same type of impactful player that they are try to fill in. It wasn't going to happen. It put more pressure on Cam Hayward, put more pressure on everyone else. But one thing about Pittsburgh and that defense, if the front is together, everything else will follow suit. I like to refer to the defense alignment in our scheme system there in Pittsburgh as the transmission for your car. I don't care how good a car you have. If you don't have a legit transmission, it's not going to run how it's supposed to run. And those guys, they're our transmission. So if you get those guys back in uniform, healthy and ready to go, you don't necessarily need a Jordan Davis. Now go to the Ravens, but now I was about to say, Jim, but you don't want him to go to Baltimore. (laughs) You don't want him to go to Baltimore. You don't want him to go to Cleveland because he's a guy that's going to have a 12 plus type years career. Yeah. Because of how big he is and how massive he is and athletic. Like this man ran four, eight at three forty three, six, six. And you turn on tape, you see what he did at the combine. It matches what he does in the football field. So but but for us, if we can get those guys back in uniform and to it, to it, not having him in the lineup hurt our defense a lot, a lot. It was a massive loss, but hopefully we can get him back um, and everything works out. You pair him and Cam Haywood still, I mean, getting better with age, you know what I mean? But if we can get those guys back, I mean, you don't have a need for Jordan Davis. But let's say hypothetically, right, let's say the Steelers go out and acquire one of the quarterbacks, maybe a Jameis or 
or a, a Jimmy Garoppolo. Now you can do a lot of different things with that first round pick if you still have it. Mm-hmm. You can move back. You can maybe move back and get Jordan Davis in the, in the late in the late twenties, and still pick up a piece. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You may can move back and get one of the offensive linemen that I told you about, or maybe one of the linebackers. So it's all about if you can acquire a quarterback and you still get that first rounder. Now you become more flexible what you could do with your pick in the twenties. Wow, I'm good. I'm good. Well, that's <laughs> really good stuff, B Mac. Really yeah, good. Is- Excellent. I appreciate. It. Yeah, B-Mac, thanks so much for coming on. This has been, uh, I know, a treasure for me as a lifelong Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I, I'm i with Jim Wexel and I'm with Brian McFadden. <laughs> this is, Jeremy, life is good for me. You're in the media now. You can't be a fan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll keep that on the hush then. But, uh, no, we really appreciate you coming on. Great stuff. You can follow uh, B-Mac on Twitter. It's at B-Mac underscore sports talk. Make sure you check out his podcast, All Things Covered, alongside Patrick Peterson. Um, hopefully, we can have you on again here, maybe after. Oh, man, listen. To- man, listen, man. No no problems at all. You know, Jim always knows whenever you need me, reach out. I'm here. And I appreciate you, Jeremy, as well, keeping me informed about everything that you guys needed from me. And I hope that, you know, I did my part when it comes to viewers and people listening and watching us and getting ready for this upcoming season because I'm excited for Steelers football as I am every year. And hopefully they can get us fired up before we actually see one game played in Heinz Field. But it starts right now. Free agency, draft. The best way to get fans fired up, nail it in free agency, nail it in the draft. You, better, you already know we're going to be fired up anyway. But when you do that, it goes to another notch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, BMAC, Jim, outstanding. Great talking with all of you today. Listeners, viewers, thank you so much. Uh, for checking in. Make sure you like the, the video, subscribe, share with your family and friends. We appreciate it. And we will see you back for episode number 25 of the Still City Insider podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone. Peace. Hey, thanks, BMAC. Take care.